Hi everyone, happy Mother's Day. Wasn't that blessing so beautiful? If you're worshiping with us for the first time, welcome. If I have not met you, I, my name is Autumn and I have the privilege of leading the women's ministry at Faith. I'm also a counselor and blessed to be Pastor Joe's wife and mom to two grown boys in, junior, in their junior and freshman years of college. Well, in the last few weeks, we have heard about God's desire to set us free from the enemy's lies and God's desire to set us free from fear and worry. This week, we're studying God's desire to set us free to love. Jesus says, hold to my teaching. When you're my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then Jesus gives us a new command to love one another the way he has loved us and tells us that the world will know we are his followers by how we love. What a high calling to love one another and to hold to Jesus's teachings. Knowing and living his truth sets us free to do both. Seriously, free isn't how I feel all the time or have felt in the past in regards to loving people. Tentative, yes. Cautiously hopeful, mm-hmm. Free, not always. If God's desire is to set us free, what does freedom look like in the area of love? I don't know about you, but I've been hurt while trying to love people, and I'm pretty sure you have too whether it be our spouses, friends, parents, siblings, or children. Truly, the people we love the most have the greatest potential to hurt us. And I'm equally sure of the fact that I and you have also been on the side of causing hurt, intentionally or unintentionally, to the people we love. So then what happens when we're hurt? Well, psychologists describe a pain cycle, and this pain cycle is characterized by feeling unloved and unsafe and results in us typically responding from this place of pain instead of love. When we're under stress, we quickly respond using negative behaviors like shaming, blaming and splitting. This is when people are either all good or all bad or people groups are all good or all bad. We're controlling or escaping and then we use addictions in an effort to try to fix our pain. But of course, then we hurt one another and nothing really gets fixed, right? The alternative is something that is described as the peace cycle. The peace cycle is when we face stress from a place of knowing we're unconditionally loved and knowing we are ultimately safe. Psychologists then observe people at peace are able to respond with healthy boundaries. They can get out of abusive relationships and they now know how to be healthy. They all show love, forgiveness, transparency, empathy, and connection. It's easy how we can respond out of pain to one another and completely miss the other person's pain. How would our families change if we responded in peace? I love family, but not because it's perfect. Our families are one of the tools God uses to grow us, and he says he sets the lonely in families. In our families, we get to give and receive love. So what does that look like for me? Often it looks like this. I run around splashing love on the people I have in my life, my husband, my kids, friends, mom, dad, all the people in my life that I get to work with and do life with, and my cup is empty. So I hold out my now empty cup to be loved. I'm now waiting to be loved back, holding out my cup to be filled. This is transactional love. And then what are we filled with? We're filled with other people's opinions, thoughts, and feelings about us. <sighs> it's exhausting to hold out our cup to be filled by other people's words. The next great job offer or invitation, social media reposts or likes, 
ultimately this tired, exhausted, depleted, not enough to go around way of loving looks like we keep being poured out and empty and still we're not enough or too much for the ones we love. Our people all have different needs and these needs change regularly without warning from not even year to year or phase to phase or day to day. In the middle of this pandemic, it feels like minute by minute their needs are changing, right? And guess what? Along with their needs changing, our needs are changing too. We think there must be something wrong with my cup. There must be something wrong with me. But just maybe our cup is not supposed to be positioned this way. Our Heavenly Father tells us he wants to be the one to fill our cup. He wants to fill our empty cup to overflowing. So what does it look like to be a people that are overflowing God's power, God's love and God's blessing to the people around us? It first looks like tipping our cup up and being filled. Paul teaches in Ephesians that being set free to love requires being rooted in Jesus' love for us and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. In verses 14 to 21, we find a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over the people living in the city of Ephesus. I'd like to pray this over you today. Close your eyes and open your hands in a way of reminding ourselves that we're here to receive what our Father is giving to us today. Let's pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that it is work that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. A little backstory here. Ephesus is located in modern-day Turkey. Their church is located in a beautiful port city inside of a fertile valley where people worshiped the Greek god Artemis and followed the cult of the Nicolaitans. The Ephesians were known for their knowledge and understanding of occult practices and for their sexual exploitation of the vulnerable. They were rich economically but poor spiritually. The Ephesian Christians were surrounded by affluence and false teaching. Their children were surrounded by affluence and false teaching. In the light of this, Paul urges them to hold on to truth. In Revelations, we see the church of Ephesus is praised for holding on to this truth, but unfortunately told they lost the love they had at first for Jesus and for others. This is so easy for us to do as well. We, like the Ephesians, were in danger of hating the world because we fear the world, but we cannot hate the world and love God. Love is dangerous, risky, and love is sacrificial. Our Heavenly Father wants to set us free to love, and not only our families, but our world. Our Heavenly Father wants us to know in our heads we're loved, but also feel it in our hearts. Paul prays for the Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts that we would be established and rooted in his love. So one of the things I'm doing right now during quarantine is planting an herb garden for my deck. And the first thing I did was I picked out the best soil because I know in order to flourish, my herbs will need good soil. 
The soil is where the herbs are nourished. And God's love is that rich soil that he wants us to be rooted in so that we would know the depths of Jesus' love for us. Do you trust in Jesus' love for you? Do you trust in his character? He wants all the empty places in our hearts and lives to be filled by his spirit, healed by his love, and restored by his love. There is nothing Jesus cannot do. There is no hurt he cannot heal. There's no sin he cannot forgive. There's no past he cannot redeem. And there is no life he cannot transform. We see this clearly when Jesus meets a woman at a well in the hottest time of the day. Now this is important. She's an outcast. She's an adulterer by definition, and she is not part of the neighborhood book club. She most definitely would not be allowed to join the Jewish women in studying the scriptures. No one would have assumed that this woman would have been interested in spiritual things. We too are tempted to put people in a box and think that they're not interested in the things of God. Instead, we should assume everyone we meet wants to know true love and needs to meet Jesus. This woman went to the well at the hottest time of the day to avoid the shame and pain of other people's opinions. She had determined that loving people was too hard. So she isolated herself from their insults and from their judgments. But Jesus searches her out. And when, he encounters, when she encounters Jesus, he tells her her whole life story. And if you can just imagine with me for one minute, what would it be like for someone you don't know to tell you everything about yourself, including your greatest sins and your biggest mistakes. Somehow she did not feel condemned and Jesus's love for her transforms her. And don't miss this. She is immediately compelled to go into the city and share his love with the people she had grown to fear and hate. Just like the woman at the well, Jesus wants to meet you where you are and set you free. You are not your last bad day. You're not your last good day. You are not your past. You are not your behavior and you are not your struggle. You are not what has been done to you and there is a difference between where you've been and what you do and what you've done and who you are. Your value is established in God and your value is found in him. Point your cup up. He is where you will find your joy and he is where you will find your strength. The simple truth about love is we can't give something away that we don't already have. You're fully known and fully loved. When we're established in Jesus' love for us, the enemy of our souls can no longer shame us. He can no longer use a partial truth that is spoken in anger by someone we love to destroy us. All of a sudden, we recognize the arrows. Then the enemy loses the power to tell us we're unloved and unsafe. This then gives us a spirit to be led by God, and we can respond in love and peace. Many make the mistake after they receive Jesus' love and thinking it's a one-time filling, a one-time encounter with God. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, we meet Jesus, and that's it. But no, he wants an ongoing relationship with us. There are many scriptures that describe a continual filling, and that filling results in wisdom, love, and joy. The writing of songs, spontaneous testimonies, truth being proclaimed, and the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but I need the fruit of the Spirit every day, not just once. This might look like sitting in your car before you go into the grocery store to get some time alone with God, to talk and worship, read your Bible, get to know Jesus better, and listen. Right now, that might be the only time you are getting alone. And for some, it might be learning to build worship and study into your family rhythm. It might feel awkward at first, but it's worth it. 
Just think about it. Every time you start something new, something feels awkward at first. When we enjoy our relationship with our Father, we're filled with the Spirit. The disciples wanted that relationship Jesus had with his Father. Watching Jesus talk with his Father daily, they witnessed his dependency on the Father, his attachment. Their friendship was genuine. They did not know how to start, so they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. After teaching them to pray, he says this, your Heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. Wow, just think, your Heavenly Father is waiting for you to ask. Please fill me. Please help me to hear you personally. Please give me your Holy Spirit. Today, I hope you will take away two important truths about being rooted in God's love and being filled with his Holy Spirit so you can be set free to love every day. First, God is the central character in our life story, not us. We are so tempted to think we can be the central character of our lives, but we're not. We're called to love, but we cannot transform. The Apostle Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, and make music from our hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in the Greek, what this passage literally is saying is continually be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing, speaking, thanking, praises to God. If we want to be able to live a spirit-filled life, God will need to be in the center of our conversations. Now, I don't know about you, but people in my house don't want me to sing. I'm glad I don't need to have the gift of singing to sing songs to God in my heart. And that's how my family prefers it, but I still sing anyways. There's something music does for me that nothing else can. It calms me when I'm anxious or angry. It helps me to change my perspective, and it also changes the atmosphere in our house. Our family rhythm included worship before school and worship before dinner and dance parties as needed. Many times getting dinner on the table was stressful and chaotic, so this helped us to refocus and fill up. This is the perfect time to start a new rhythm in your family. If your pace does not include rest and reflection, you can start now. When Paul refers to a hymn, it is simply a praise for what God has done. So how do we do this with our families and our friends? We can ask, how did you see God at work today? And learn to look for him working. We as the church need to tell the stories of God working. We wanna recognize his actions in our lives and teach our children to see him at work and then praise him for it. Doing this reminds us that God is the central character in the story of our life. When God is the central character in your story, he decides your value and your worth. And just remember, if you're letting someone else be the main voice you listen to, then they are the one determining your worth. The second truth is this, we're created for connection and to be a blessing. God created you in his image and he created you to experience true love. He did not create us to love in order to be loved, but to love because we already are loved. And this is the key to being at peace. We are at peace when we know our value, our sense of being loved does not change because God does not change. Love is mentioned 348 times in the Bible, 133 times in the Old Testament and 215 times in the New. Many of these references refer to God loving us. He built you for relationship with him and relationship with others. We do not do things to earn this blessing, but we are blessed to be a blessing. Anything God gives to you is intended to overflow blessing onto others. 
Our words are the primary way we get to give God's blessing to our people. Our words can be life-giving. Ephesians 5 talks about speaking to one another about God's power. A blessing is a prayer spoken out loud, a request made expectantly that God will apply a truth to another person's life. Jesus says the truth will set us free. How great is it that we get to help apply these truths to our children by speaking them to them? This is an example of what it looks like. If you know your child's anxious about a test in the car before they leave to go to school, or if you're homeschooling before you start a test, say something like this. May you know that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a strong mind. And he will help you through this test. In my own life, with, my, with the parents I counsel and minister with, I have seen the habit of blessing children change relationships. Even in my friendships, when I bless people and I seek to tell them who they are and who God designed them to be, I see change. It literally turns our hearts towards the people we care about. When parents of kids struggling with attachment put their hands on their child's shoulder, look in their eyes and speak the truth of who God says they are. Like this, may you know God chose you to be his child before the creation of the world and he has great plans for you. Their children are reminded that first and foremost, they are God's child and always have been God's child. And second, that whatever they are afraid of, they never have to face it alone. The truth is all of us need words of life. When we're on the phone with friends, they need our blessing. When we're social distancing with our parents, they need our words. When we're checking out at a grocery store, a smile and a kindness is a blessing too. We wanna to receive blessings from him and pass them to everyone we know. So submitting to one another means that part of being filled with his spirit is also pouring ourselves out to others. It means we need to support each other. When experiencing God becomes all about us, it's unhealthy. It results in living in one of two extremes, either in a constant state of being empty because we forget to be filled by God because we're going around trying to be filled by everybody else, or waiting for the next great experience with God and failing to bless others with what we've already received from Him. We never need to live in a state of not enough. God always has more love, more rest, and more of Him to give to us. When we love from this place of being loved, we can slow down and we can love from a place of rest, not stress. Many times we can be overwhelmed by the task of raising children or simply interacting with the people we do life with. In our hurry to get through the tasks, we can forget to treasure each person individually. Everyone we meet is a soul and they are loved by God. Think of the transformational relationships you do have. They are the ones where you're treasured, right? Transformational relationships are ones in which individuals are filled because they know Jesus loves them and died for them, and they are safe in that love. So the people are filled by God and can pour that love out. Transactional relationships are relationships based on everyone waiting for their cups to be filled in order to pour out. Transactional relationships, in, there is never enough to go around, and everyone is keeping score. When we're connected to the source of our joy and strength and peace, and when we let go of trying to be others' joy, strength, and peace, we're free. If we want to experience God's power in his presence, if we want revival, it starts with resting in God, letting him restore our love for others. It starts with our understanding God is love. Revival happens when our hearts are turned to God and to one another. Revival happens when God's people are characterized by love.
I'm going to leave you with this one last thought. A neurologist was captivated by the idea of what happens to our brains when we're in love. So she decided to study people who are in love by putting them in an MRI machine. And she measured the response of their brains. She discovered that there are three areas of the brain that light up for everyone when they're in love. And these three areas are pleasure or joy, risk, a willingness to take a gamble, and attachment, meaning I'm all in kind of feeling. Those are the areas of the brain that light up when we're in love. Here's something I discovered from studying the scriptures. If we could put God into an MRI machine, you know what you would see? You would see the area of joy light up. When Jesus died on the cross for us, scripture says he did it for the joy set before him. It was the, for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. It was for us. And risk, he gave his life so people could believe, so we could be free. It does not get more risky than that. Why did he do it? He did it for relationship. He did it for attachment. Scripture says, once we were separated from God, because of our sin, we were enemies with him. But Jesus reconciled us to God through his death. God in the person of Jesus broke the chains of sin and death forever. Love is not canceled. God is not canceled. He is still at work in our lives. God is in love with humanity. God is in love with the world, and God is in love with your family. God is in love with you. I wonder if your relationship with God could be identified as one rooted in love. If we put you in an MRI machine, would your brain show joy, a love for Jesus? Would it show risk? Is your life an adventurous life in pursuit of the God who loves you? And would attachment be one of the things you're cultivating with God? Ultimately, Jesus wants to set us free to love and be loved. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Jesus died to set you free, not just for heaven, but to live in freedom now. Your faith matters. Your trust in him matters. To overcome now, you'll need him. Fill up your cup with his love. My prayer for you on this Mother's Day is that you will know you are loved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so sorry that sometimes we do not love the world like you love the world. Please help us to learn to love and not condemn. Help us to risk our comfort for your love to be spread throughout the world. Thank you for giving up everything for us so that we might believe and be saved by your love and grace. Jesus, we want to love like you. Please fill us and set us free from our shame to experience the same love the woman at the well experienced. Replace the words that have cursed us with your blessings. Renew our minds so we can believe what you say about us. Jesus, we need a picture of your love for us each day. Help us to hear from you now in a personal way. Jesus, what do you want to say to us and tell to us about your love for us? Holy Spirit, fill us. We need you to give us the words, the truth, the songs, the heart, and the passion to love. May your awesome power work in each of us, in your church, and throughout the generations to bring revival to the world. May you be glorified through us. In Jesus' name, 